bless the ministry of your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. In a sense, we can say that we can relate to the story of the lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7. Uh, you remember the story how they were enjoying the many things that the town, the people in the town were lacking. And it says there in 2 Kings 7, 8, and when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. And right now, there are millions of souls that they have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we feast on it. We rejoice on the good news of the gospel. Uh, we rejoice every Sunday when we meet together and we sing to Jesus. We sing about the gospel. We read about the gospel. We preach about the gospel. While there are so many people lacking that food for their souls. Millions in many of our countries where they just worship Mary or they worship Allah and that's the reality. Some of them are so close to the gospel in a sense. I, I grew up a Roman Catholic and I studied in a Roman Catholic school. I, and I never, never heard the message of the gospel until I was 16 years old. So there are many people who, they may be living in countries where maybe they're, we cannot say they are unrich. But there are many that have never heard the gospel, really. It, the truth of the gospel preached clear, clearly to them. And then if we talk about those unrich people groups, then the, the things are worse. So what are we going to do? Do we have something to do with people who are in those unrich countries? And do we have, does that have something to do with us? And, and, and we have to say, yes, there is something that ties us to those souls in a way that we should pray to God that he will help us as churches and individuals to do something about it. And as we have been lepers saved by grace, that we may have that eagerness and desire to share those news with those who are lost. So that's why I would like to talk to you about the missionary heart of God. And first of all, I would like to, to say something regarding the missionary heart of God in, in the Old Testament. And, and, and this is a very well-known text, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, but let me read it for you. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. 
and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And isn't it wonderful to see that we are included in that blessing and we can rejoice on it? And, and then we ourselves then have been made a blessing. We have been blessed so that we may bless others. And we see something of the heart of God here. When right there from the beginning of the story of redemption, we see the expression that he was taking into consideration not only the descendants of physical descendants of Abraham, but us as well. All the families of the earth. So evidently, this blessing is something that we need to share with others. And when we come to the celestial city in Revelation chapter 5, and even reading Revelation 4, we find a celebration of the grace of God for all peoples. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So we see it from Genesis to Revelation. The, the heart of God is a heart of compassion toward all peoples. I don't know about you, but I know that in myself, I, I've read the, the Bible for a long time, thinking that missions was a subject that is included in the Bible. But that's not so. The Bible is missions. From the beginning to end, we see the mission of God. We find the mission of God. And it may be a great devotional exercise. Just look at, use a concordance and try to find every mention of the word nations or families of the earth, things like that. And it's just amazing, amazing to see the concern of the heart of God for the nations. So uh, there is something that must speak to our hearts as we see, we place our hands as if we say uh, in God's heart. We, we place our hands on God's heart and, and, and feel the pulse. Sense something of what he is desiring. And, and, and we will see compassion there. And we will see compassion for the lost, but we will see a heart that is after the nations. I, I remember listening to a, a musical group uh, that we used to go to different uh, Latin American countries. It's, it's a group from the U.S. And in the midst of one of their songs, they would say that, uh, testimonies here and there. And, and one person said, I went to a home and I knocked at their door. And when they opened the door, I said, uh, do you know Jesus? And the person answered and said, no, he doesn't live here. <laughs> so there are many, many, many people that have never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't know who he is. And we know who he is. Are we sharing Jesus as we should? 
In Psalm 22, verse 27, it says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, all, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. And you know the expressions of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And we've even seen that psalm. It must be a, the desire of our heart, the same thing that the Lord is desiring. All nations bowing, bowing down to him. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. In Mark 11, we find the story of Jesus coming to the temple. And finding uh, what the Jewish people were doing there. And, and you remember the story of how he threw them away. And, and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. This is not a common action of our Lord in the Gospels. This is something, something serious was going on in the temple for him to do that. And then as he quotes, normally the phrase that stays in our minds and heads is, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And we may use that in our prayer meetings. But the text says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. For all nations. And it is quoting Isaiah 56. And let me read some verses from there. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose to the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give him, give me, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. Wow. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And when Jesus came to the temple, he did not find that. But that was his design. And that was his purpose. That his house may be a, a place where the, the Gentiles would come and, and, and love the Lord and worship the Lord. So when Jesus saw the scenario, he said, there is something really bad here. So he threw them away. And do you, do you remember the prayer of Solomon when the temple was being dedicated? In 1 Kings 8, 41, says, Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes 
from a far country for your name's sake. For they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays to, toward this house, here in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. In order that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as you do your people Israel. And that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. So the design of that place was that the Gentiles would be there. And you remember that there, there was a huge Gentiles courtyard. Is, it is calculated to be the size of 20 soccer fields. How many Gentiles do you think fit there? God's heart is after those Gentiles. And we are the fruit of it. Obviously, obviously the Jews, because of their prejudice, did not fulfill the mission the Lord had assigned them. But their mission was to reach out to them. They were supposed to be a light to them. Because of their prejudice, their neglect, their indifference, they were not the lies they were supposed to be. They changed the purpose of the temple. And is the church different today? Is the church different today? Have we turned God's house into something else than what is his design and his purpose? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, both individually and corporately. If his heart, if the heart of the Holy Spirit is after the Gentiles, and, and, and we have our Gentiles. We are the Jewish ones in a sense in some ways, and we have our Gentiles too. Are we reaching out to them? It's the temple of our heart, or it's the temple of our churches, the place where they are welcome. And we have indicators that will let you know, let us know where we are in regards to this. Like finances, for example. How we use our resources. And it is calculated in, in a, in, with world standards that Christians use 98% of their income on themsel themselves. They give to the church 1.8%. And for missions, for reaching those who are unreached, 0.1%. It tells us something. And even the way we spend our money in our churches, we spend 87% in local expenses. These are just statistics. 
and for rich people groups, we spend 12%. That only leaves 1% for the unriched people. It tells us something. And even the distribution of the servants, missionaries, 80% of missionaries are working among rich people, rich people groups, and 20% in unrich people groups. If we go to the way we buy literature, 97% of what the books we buy, we buy for ourselves. So we, we want the blessing of Abraham for ourselves. And we have forgotten that the house of God shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And you know, we, we see in Exodus 19 how the Lord called the people of Israel, you shall, be, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And they were supposed to be a kingdom of priests because they, they, were, to be, they were supposed to be intermediaries, mediators between the, the God in, and the Gentiles. And they failed. Now, what are we going to do? Because you might remember the text in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We too have a mission to accomplish because of the identity the Lord has given unto us. We are priests. But we may have fallen into the Jonah mentality. The servant of God. The, the, the best man on that boat. And, and, and he was sleeping when everything was going on. And the book of Jonah is a great example of God's compassion. God's compassion. And, and Jonah was, wasn't in sync with the Lord. And it should be our prayer that the Lord may, may make our hearts to be in tune with His. That we may feel like He is feeling. He made all peoples. So we see in the Old Testament very clearly how He, he has a heart for every one of the people He may have made. And, and we must have something of his heart too. That not only we see the missionary heart of God in the Old Testament. But we also see it in the missionary son that he sent. Christ is presented as the son sent by God the Father to the world. In John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And there you see... The missionary son is being sent and he is sending his people. 
In Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, etc. And Psalm 2, 8 is just precious with that, uh, those words of the Lord saying, Ask me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Do you see yourself at the inheritance of the Lord? This is amazing. We are the inheritance of the Lord. And Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven: All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. And, and, and last night we heard about that. Reigning Christ that is our Savior. He's reigning. He reigns. And that's why it's so good to listen to those testimonies of missionaries. And the things that the Lord is doing around the world. Because it shows us that Christ is King. For me to hear the story of people living in North Korea. And how they, they have seen those footsteps going toward China. When it is so cold that not even the guards are outside. And they go across the border to go to China. Not to flee. But to gather together with people in China. Who, is, who are teaching them the truth of the word of God. And you not only see the footsteps of them going there. But also coming back. To share with these people what they are learning. Christ is king. It doesn't matter who is ruling North Korea. Christ is on his throne. That's why it's so good to hear the Great Commission. Including that, that word, all authority has been given to me. That's why we go. That's why we should go. It's because of his authority. So missions is not an optional thing for the church. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold I am with you always to the end of the age. When will the, the mission be accomplished? At the end of the age. And throughout all that time. Jesus will be with us. I am with you, with you always. And that's how the gospel of Matthew concludes. So the goal is to make disciples. And, and that teaches us many things. Regarding the strategies we need to use. In, in, in terms of missions. It's, it's not just, just having someone say. That they have made profession of faith. We, we, we should make disciples. And, and we need to plant churches. Even baptizing them. They, they, they identify themselves with churches, local churches. So our, we want to have national churches in those places where we are going. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. 
That's in Mark chapter 13, verse 10. So we have this missionary heart of God shown through his missionary son. But thirdly, we also see the missionary heart of God in his missionary spirit. In his missionary spirit, Acts 1.8. It's very well known that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we know how people believe that the, the Holy Spirit is present in a ministry or in a person when they do mighty things. That's the idea that many people have. But when, when we go to the doctrine of sanctification, and, and we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, da, 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 I tell people, you know, in order for us to be holy, the Lord put inside us Nuclear power. Not to do miracles. Just to be holy. And when we come to the subject of missions. That's the power that is in our hands. Nuclear power. To do the work of missions. And, and that's why. We may, we may be unknown to the world. But these people who are spread here and there, for me, it was a privilege to know a family of four with young kids in North Korea. And they, they needed to be careful even the things they said before the people who were working with them in their house. And they had their own business, a transportation business, in order for them to minister the word. And, and for me to see that family, unknown to the world, it's for me to see an evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit working in people in order that the, our Christ may be known in the whole world. So we don't go in our own strength. The hope of the world is not in us. It is in God. He's compassionate. And he has sent his Holy Spirit that we may do it. Just the Holy Spirit. Just the third person of the Trinity. In us and with us. So that we can go and share the word. And it is not our words. They are not powerful in themselves. But when the Holy Spirit breaks the heart, he uses these feeble words that come out from our, from our mouth. And that's encouraging. That's so encouraging. And, and, and you know, the apostles did it. You will have thought, if seen, this is the dream team of the apostles. You would never have thought that they would accomplish anything. But they did. So people may look at us and, and say, uh, God may say, these this, this are the hope of the world. And, and, and we laugh of ourselves. We ourselves, we laugh of ourselves. But the Lord say, yes, it's through you that I will do it. It is through us. 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. What a compassionate heart. What a compassionate heart. I don't have time to elaborate on this, but this gives shape to the way we do missions in certain ways. That we need to meditate on that. And lastly, the missionary heart of God in the missionary apostle, the Apostle Paul. And just let me quote you Romans 15, 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And we can do the same. But the question is, if we have this type of compassionate heart, when, when the Lord called the Apostle Paul, he commissioned him immediately. And when he gave his testimony, he said, the Lord called me to, to bring his word to the Gentiles. There is a way in which, a sense in which we need to be very aware of the God we are serving. If we are going to do something about it. I see it in Isaiah. Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord. And though he considered himself something, someone with unclean lips, he then was willing to say, send me. I am willing to go. And then, then go to Ezekiel chapter 1 through 3. There Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord as well. And these mighty beings, angels, with, with a description that is overwhelming. But the Lord said to Ezekiel, you will go to a people who will be rebel. They will be rebels against what you will going to be saying. So brethren, it, it, we are not just expecting the people to receive us with open hearts and open minds and open arms. No. The Lord said, you will go. It doesn't matter if they listen to you or not. And then he said, but you will be a watchman faithful watchman to me just let them know it's like leave the rest in my hands so Isaiah Ezekiel is the apostle Paul is there a way we have seen something of the glory of God too I was preaching last Sunday in our church on Revelation 4 and it is Obvious for me to see how these four living beings are so similar to the descriptions that we find in Isaiah 6 and Ezekiel 1, 2. Why does the Lord let us know something of his glory and now of his compassionate heart? I think the conclusion is clear so that we too may be convinced of the glorious God that we are serving. The majestic Christ that has saved us. And the wonderful message that is in our hands.
that is worth being proclaimed in the whole world. May the Lord help us. Place your hand on God's heart. Can you feel the pulse? Do you feel something of what he loves regarding the unreached people? May the Lord grant us greater measures of his heart so that we may be involved in missions as he expects us to be. May we be promoters of that mission in our churches and around us. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for, for speaking so clearly to us. But Father, we, we know that many times we listen to your voice and we convince ourselves that you are talking to someone else. Father, help us. Help us see your heart so clearly, so powerfully that we may have a stronger desire to be like you. Come down in our midst, we pray. And do your work for your glory. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.